Welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It was such a great time to be able to connect with Kenny and Kristen Anderson. And as a reminder, Kenny and Kristen brought home their daughter, Hannah, from China, whom they've been waiting for almost three and a half years to bring home. Uh, they were able to actually bring them home to uh, their other eight-year-old daughter, Brooklyn. And so through the adoption process, they now have adopted twins. Uh, they were one of these long-waiting China families who were set to leave before the pandemic and finally were able to come home. And I know that you're going to enjoy the second part of this journey of hearing how the Andersons were able to bring uh, a Hannah home. But before we do hear from uh, the Andersons, I want to remind you about the Change One Life. And one of the ways that you can change one life is through global orphan care. Although adoption is a, a beautiful response, as we're hearing from the Andersons, to God's command to care for the fatherless, the vast majority of orphans will never be adopted. Our global orphan care ministry was born out of a desire to reach these vulnerable children. This ministry equips caregivers with the knowledge of holistic care, provides children with job and life skill training, and serves alongside local churches already partnering and ministering with the vulnerable in their area. Partners like you enable vulnerable children to have their futures transformed by the hope of the gospel. Help us as we equip the local church to care for vulnerable children in their community and give today and change one life through global orphan care at lifelinechild.org backslash change dash one dash life. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash change dash O-N-E dash life. Or as always, you can see our show notes. So today we are joined once again by Kenny and Kristen Anderson. And when we talked to them back last summer, they were on their way to China to bring home their daughter, Hannah, who they had been waiting to bring home for over three years. And now we're so grateful to be able to come back on the other side after this long period of waiting. They have now not only met Hannah, but they have brought her home. And so uh, if you remember from the summer, they basically adopted twins in a sense, because now their uh, their biological daughter and their adopted daughter, their daughter, Brooklyn and Hannah, uh, are so close to the same age. Uh, but Kenny and Kristen, thanks for joining us again on the Defender podcast. And if you will, tell us a little bit about on this side of the trip, the experience of traveling to China to bring Hannah home. Um. We'll start with our, I guess, our experience in China and um, the the awesome time we had. I mean, really, it was uh, a trip of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. It was something that we were looking forward to. And so we spent a couple of days uh, going to Beijing to meet Helen, our interpreter, and to hang out and kind of get adjusted. Sightseeing in Beijing, um, we saw the city walls, we saw the Great Wall, we saw the Summer Palace. We did all the things um, that you would want to do and gave us a, a chance as a family to just kind of reset before we got to meet Hannah. Um, we then traveled into Xi'an on a bullet train, which was an awesome experience <laughs> so as well. Fun. Yeah, to cross the country on a bullet train, uh, see the countryside, get to Xi'an. Um, there we were really embraced by the um, the civil affairs officer who uh, just loved us and wanted us to be comfortable and well cared for. And he 
he took us to tourist destinations and we enjoyed the terracotta warriors there we saw the city walls um we did aquariums we did so many things uh with another family as well the culture the food everything was so great to experience even the chinese people were on vacation for the first time since covid and so everywhere we went it was very busy. Very, very busy. You know, elbow to elbow with uh, people. And they were excited to see Americans in their country for the first time. And there was no animosity or hostility towards us. They thought we were awesome to see and, and to take pictures with. Um, and then from there, we went on to um, Guangzhou. Guangzhou was a great experience because we could just walk and go see so many things from our hotel, the locals. And our, our caretakers were just so um, so gracious to us to take us places and, uh, and allow us to be a family and to hang with friends. The other family that was with us, we're just now lifelong friends with. So we spent 20, 20, 21 days there. And China was such a cool place. If anything, it has opened our eyes to the people there were loving and kind and um, so hospitable towards us. Mm -hmm. And yet the news paints such a horrible picture of that place. Um, and they weren't, yes, there's a, you know, we see there's communism or there's a different method of governing there, but the people were still, um, they made the most of it. They enjoyed their freedoms that they had. And it was so, so wonderful. So we took that experience coming back and we just shared it so much with people about, oh my gosh, if you ever have the opportunity to go. Um, and then, Two, we we want to take that opportunity to tell Hannah how amazing her culture is, how beautiful her country is. And one day, if she wants to go back, we're willing to take her back and we're willing to go as well. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's what traveling to China was like, leaving here and also getting some reprieve from work and other uh, areas of life. Areas of life was really nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, just not to belabor the point, but I think even for some of us who've been to China before, there there's a curiosity of what does life post-COVID look like? Mm -hmm. uh, I know you guys had a lot more quote-unquote freedom or ability to move around and access to move around, really, even than we thought before you went. For yeah. sure, yeah. But, you know, what what did life look like post-COVID? You know, I, I ask curious, but also for folks that might be curious, were there a lot of masks? Did people seem... Uh, worried about COVID, um, you know, or or did it seem like pretty normal life? Uh, honestly, there were no masks. We were shocked. Um, if you saw a mask, it was probably in a an airport or a, maybe a crowded public place. But even in the touristy spots where we were able to have, nobody was wearing a mask. Nobody cared. And it was so normal that um, it was probably more normal than the U.S., I think, as far mm -hmm. as uh, public, uh, you know, opinion on being around other people. Yep. Um, and then life was busy there. The coolest thing is everybody warned us about smog and our interpreters kept saying there's no smog since COVID. <laughs> and shoot up, there are electric cars everywhere, electric scooters, and the air quality was great. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was lovely. It was lovely, yeah. Well, I, I echo your sentiment for the people of China. They they really are a precious, just beautiful people made in the image of God, obviously. And um, you see the curiosity that they have, uh, the, the warmth. They're, they're actually extremely grateful that you want to be in their country and you want to see yeah. them. And yeah. 
You know, I think a lot of times, even the United States, right? We get painted by our leaders and the idiosyncrasies of our leaders as opposed to the people who make up middle America, who make up the the places that are are getting the jobs done and, and living mm-hmm. day in day life. Um, so you go to China, it, it, you're there for almost three weeks. Um, tell us a little bit about bringing Hannah home because first of all, she's three and a half years older than you thought she would be when you first went. So that's an adjustment. Um, but but what were those first days like just once she had come home and, and she's now back in, in the United States? I would say um, uh, it, it it was a wild ride. I mean, it was a honeymoon period, right? For the first couple of days, we are just really like hanging out in the house together, showing her around the house, making sure she was introduced to the dog and talking to family on, you know, um, virtual calls and stuff like that. I think the hard part was you have this eight-year-old that doesn't understand safety, the basics of like, this is an oven and this is a gas oven. And if you turn this, it will turn it on and this oven's hot or um, these are cars. We live on a very busy road. And, you know, you think we, you know, we, we raised our biological child, obviously, but those are things that you teach at like two and three and four, but we're bringing home an eight-year-old that had never seen 90% of what we were introducing her to. So Kenny and I kind of jokingly always said, okay, we're going to this place. Let's scope it out first. Let's walk in. Let's examine the room. Let's make sure there's nothing she can touch or she can get into. And then we need to tell her about that. Okay. Those are knives. Don't touch them or just different things like that. So I felt like safety was probably a big focus right when we got home. Um, but uh, it, it it really was kind of just this honeymoon phase. She, you know, are we going back to, if you remember what we had shared in, in the first podcast, we were blessed enough to have been able to talk to her every couple months for the past three and a half years, which really created this bond that a lot of people, you get home and you're trying to build that. We already had that. We we're, <laughs> that's the blessing of COVID in our lives. Um, so she already felt, pretty secure. And there was already an attachment that was there, mm-hmm. um, which made it felt like when we walked in, I mean, you could just see her kind of relaxed, like, ah, oh, I'm finally home yep. versus kind of a tenseness or anything like that. So it really was a, a great honeymoon period, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I know a lot of things that, like you said, are just kind of you, you, as you go, you teach a child you bring a child in that's that's eight eight and a half years old, and all of a sudden, it, it's a completely new culture, completely different uh, than what you want. But but how beautiful to know that you guys have been able to talk to her, and um, it, it it was foreign, but it wasn't as foreign as it could have been for Correct. sure. Um, what have been some of those those rewards that you've seen along the way of, of Hannah coming into your home? Uh, and then I'd say as well, like, what have been some of the more challenging things just in her coming home? And as you said, the honeymoon kind of fading off in real life beginning. Yeah. Um, the, the, the rewards have been huge. Uh, the biggest thing that I love seeing is the first, you know, she's coming from uh, the knowledge of what a, an orphanage looks like and what her school looked like. And those are the only two things she knew and her environment. Um, the first time swimming at the hotel with us, the first time, um, riding try, a bike. yeah, trying to ride a bike because she saw my daughter with a bike and, uh, uh, 
her school, uh, the first time Kristen pulled out nail polish to paint the girl's nails and her excitement over nail polish. Yeah. Um, just so many firsts. Uh, we, we joke because when she saw a mannequin in the store for the first time, she had to examine it, you know, head to toe. It's just, it's just fascinating to see the world through her eyes and rewarding that, you know, she now has such freedom to see the world and see all that we get to do and, and experience, um, We've been watching her change, uh, obviously, the past 10, 11 weeks since she's been here, uh, watching her learning English and adapting to her classroom with classmates, uh, telling us so many different stories and funny mm -hmm. things. And just the character coming out of her has been hilarious to watch. Um, and then her accepting love. She's very affectionate. And mm -hmm. you can watch her. She's like, this is my grandparent. OK, I. I accept that they're my grandparent, but I'm going to wait a few, you know, hours and then I'll slowly build into this trust and this love of this grandparent. And then by the end of it, she's all over, you know, grandparent, like, I love you. This is amazing. Um, so just rewarding watching her grow and, and develop and change and become the little girl that she's going to become. As far as challenges with First um, comes, you know, a lot of uh, things that uh, a barrier. So the language barrier was really a struggle. Um, Google Translate does a really good job of us telling her some things. But then when she's really upset or she's speaking her um, own okay. dialect, Google Translate comes up with some things that we're not sure <laughs> are very accurate. Um, her trying to express her emotions when she can't talk to us was really... Uh, really tough in the first few weeks um and you could tell that it was just a frustration i need to get this emotion out and i need to tell you but i can't and i'm trying um teaching her some right and wrongs right and wrongs in her culture were you know maybe some things in the orphanage but right and wrong in our culture and our world is so different um and our expectations in public, our expectations in the schoolroom and our expectations in our house are just so different than what she's been used to. So that's been the challenge. And um, she's watching the model behavior from her sister and from school and adapting so fast. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll look back and be like, that was just like two weeks ago and, and it was over. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would also say, be that like, it's a challenge and a beauty in and of itself. But um you know, when you bring a child home that has been adopted, there's an element, and for those listening probably know this, but an element of grief and loss and hurt and um, frustration too that kind of comes with that. And while it's beautiful knowing she's asking me to see her album of her friends and she's telling me she misses her aunties because that tells me she loved them and she knew what love was, it's also hard because that part of her life isn't here anymore. And um, so I'd say that they're, they're very few and far in between when we have those, um, those meltdown grieving moments, but they're beautiful, but they're challenging also, because it's, it's hard to explain to an eight-year-old, um, you know, this, this is your new life for now and and we love you as much as they did but it, it's hard to understand why she can't go back to her friends or talk to her friends or her nannies yeah yeah and two she has so much more history yes. than she would have had and 
and even that history in the last three and a half years, knowing that 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 these uh, child welfare institutes were on lockdown, yeah, it, it made that world even smaller than than it would have been, and that and and that's grief and that's loss. And a lot of times, you know, when we talk about these journeys, we really talk about grief and loss for a child. You know, a lot of times we think that uh, it's going to be, you know. Rainbow, rainbows and unicorns when they come home and just a party, but it it's a loss and there's a struggle and there's a grieving that these children go through. And of course you, you bring in a language barrier where now it's, she had three and a half more years of speaking in her dialect, three and a yeah. half years of learning the Chinese language and the, and the characters. And so it's just, it's just more that she has to overcome to be able to you know, really integrate into your home. So we we don't think about just the change that it is for the two of you, but also the change it is for Brooklyn. And so um, Brooklyn goes from being an only child for eight years to now <laughs> not just having a, a sister, but having a sister that is my age and in my stage in some regards. So um, what Talk about the shift, not just for Brooklyn, but just for your family of going from a family of three now to a family of four with a bit of a chaos that's yeah. been brought to your family. Yeah, uh, good chaos. There's a lot of chaos, though. You know, it's um, I think in your mind, you paint a picture of what it's going to be. And Kenny and I are very structured uh, people. We we don't like to live out of that box. Like we, we just like kind of our routines and our schedules. And then you bring home another little one. Um, and all that kind of goes away and God's like, haha, can you just live in the moment now and stop living in your box, Kristen? But, um, you know, I would say for Brooklyn, uh, it's, it's beautiful. She's prayed for this as much as we have. And we, as much as you try to counsel her and prepare her that yes, you're going to have a sister that comes along, but with that, she's going to want to take your toys and she's going to want to share your room. And she's going to want as much attention as you want from mom and dad, a little eight-year-old mind doesn't get that until it happens. And so we're, we're struggling a little bit with just making sure that, you know, Hannah, whether, um, it's always good or just Hannah de demands more attention of us. I mean, it's, it's, she's constantly got something to say. And then there's, you know, trying to correct where we need to, or love where we need to, or really try to build this bond with her every day. It naturally, she pulls you to her where Brooklyn sees that and Brooklyn very quickly is, is quick to say, mom, you're giving her more attention than I'm getting. And as a natural parent, if she, if Hannah was a biological child, I probably would look at her and be like, well, get over it. I love you both the same and you're both my children, but I'm trying to be sensitive to the fact that Hannah does require more of our attention right now, but Brooklyn, uh, we love you just as much and we want to spend that same time with you. So Kenny and I have been very intentional on one-on-one uh, -on -one times. We call them our date days, or our date nights with Brooklyn um, and not just going and taking her somewhere fun, but really being diligent to say, how are you? Where are you struggling? Where is the hard thing? And and she will open up and tell us. And that's uh, it gives us a way to um, have those conversations and teach her about uh, the the beauty and the messiness of adoption and forgiveness and patience and brokenness. And so um, 
yeah, Brooklyn's world's been turned upside down, but I would feel like, you know, God knew he was giving us Hannah and that these two were going to be sisters and Brooklyn's tender uh, heart and love for her sister couldn't be more beautiful. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, and what a, what a great testament of, of just the way that you're loving her well and intentionally by mm -hmm. helping her feel special because that is the hard thing with adoption and, and bringing any new child into your home is is helping uh you know i remember our oldest used to say uh our original family and of course my wife was always very quick to say our original family didn't include you buddy uh, <laughs> <It's but> <laughs> it's important though to to celebrate um you know and to, and to make all of our children feel special as our as our dynamics change you know the big thing though in all of this for Brooklyn and for Hannah is we all want to know, make our, sure our kids see the love of Christ, mm -hmm. see the grace of God, and ultimately see a picture of the Lord that's, that's worth viewing. So talk mm -hmm. a little bit about how you've seen the Lord be, be able to give you opportunities already to speak of his goodness, um, to talk to mm -hmm. Hannah about his plan for her life and, mm -hmm. and just what has the Lord been doing in your family overall and revealed to you since, since Hannah's come home? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, moments so far about introducing the Lord to Hannah, you know, the Lord is so common in our lives every day. We pray, we talk about him, we do bless, share, do our night blessings, our dinner blessings, we pray on the way to school. So it's just so natural to us. But then you get this little girl is like, what are you doing? Because that was a phrase she picked up very quickly in English. What are you doing? We're like, oh, well, we're we're praying. Well, to who? And I said, well, we're, we're praying to Jesus. Well, who's that? Well, he's our, our heavenly father. Well, where does he live? And I said, he lived in your heart, in her heart. And she her eyes got so big. And she looks down at her chest like, there's somebody inside of me, like, it was just mind blowing to her that why so there was a lot of confusion that I'm trying to figure out how to um, bring down to a child level. Uh, but you know, another thing because God is so real and alive in our home and in our daily conversations. Um, on the way to school, I pray with the girls and I always say, what do you want to pray for today? And I would say for the first couple of weeks, Hannah kind of just sat there or say, what are you doing? And um, it wasn't but about two weeks ago, we get in the car and I had the music on. I hadn't started asking them what they want to pray for. And all of a sudden, mom, mom. And so I turn the music down and she looks at me in the rearview mirror and she's like, pray. And she holds her hands. And I was like, okay, what do you want to pray for? And in English, she's like, Hannah, happy day. Hannah, good listener. Mm -hmm. uh, Hannah, like, and she said a couple other things. And I was just like, wow, like, mm -hmm. It's working. And although she doesn't fully understand the love of Jesus, she feels our love. She knows we talk about this, this person every day in our lives. Um, and now, you know, when she goes to church and to children's, uh, children's um, Bible study and class and stuff, like it, it's just, she's surrounded in it. So I would say, you know, every day she's learning more and more um, just by us keeping it real like we normally do. Yep. <laughs> Amen. Well, what a, what a blessing. And certainly to see our children begin to acknowledge the presence of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord. And 
I know that God is gracious and good, and he will restore those broken places, that lost time um, that was there, and show himself uh, to Hannah, to Brooklyn, and obviously to you guys as y'all walk through. You know, I, I would be interested just in in lessons learned, maybe how your perspective has changed after waiting for so long, but also just kind of what the Lord is revealed through that waiting. Uh, you know, a lot of times things aren't always in our time frame, and certainly no one could have imagined a global pandemic <laughs> that would interrupt your uh, your process. But how do you see even the goodness of God in the unexpected wait? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I wrote down from the beginning and then in preparation for this podcast was I struggled at first with adoption and, and wondering if I could have unconditional love for a child that wasn't my biological child. Um, and I spent a lot of time worrying about that, but then praying, could I love her the same? And could that be something that, you know, that my heart could accept them equally. And one of the things I, one of the first weeks we were here, I called my brother and um, said to him, who also wants to adopt one day, I said, you won't believe it, but I will not, I can't explain this, but I love this little girl just as much as I love Brooklyn. And he's just like, wow. And I was like, I just prayed for this. And it's something that God has granted me now that she's in my arms. And so that's one of the things that was revealed to me is in the due time, my heart was ready. Yeah. I would also say, um, you know, talking about the way and, and how the Lord is teaching us some things as well. It, it became very evident to me, the power and the depth and breadth and the love of, of God for us in our lives. And, during that wait, I just imagine, you know, adoption, adopting a child and being adopted into um, a relationship with Christ have a lot of parallels. And I grew up always hearing this, but you don't quite get it until you experience it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just think of how often our father waits for us to turn and to face him and run with arms wide open and the pain and the struggles and the patience and the grace that he gives us to do that but he's always there just waiting. And it was like, man, we, the pain and the struggle we felt for three and a half years to hold our daughter in our arms. And then you see her and she runs to your arms because she knows who you are and she hugs you. And it's like this, this cheerful celebration, but then, then you're in this relationship and now you're growing together and now we're learning grace and forgiveness. And just, again, the power of how God loves us in our in our weak moments and our broken moments, um, but ultimately, um, just of how He's He's revealed that this was His plan all along, and it didn't matter if it took three and a half years or not. It's the beauty of His will and His work, um, right. and and just the depth of His love that we felt through that, and that we feel for our daughter because of that too. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, friends, I. I know what a joyous day and we celebrate it with you guys. And of course with the other families now that have been able to go and bring their children home. But we both know that there are a lot more children that are still waiting. Yes. COVID. Um, and I know some of those families and, and some of the children who don't even really understand completely have a longing 
for the day when they're able to go. I, I guess mm-hmm. just kind of a couple of things in closing. I'd love to know first, how would you encourage those families that are still waiting now over three and a half years for their kids to come home, coming up to four soon, waiting for their kids to come home? How would you encourage them? How would you have help them know how to lead into the Lord? And what would you tell other families who might be praying over the process of adoption? Yeah, for those that are already in the process and are waiting, um, I, I would say lean, lean as much as you can into the father who wants you to lean into him. Um, there's a lot that you don't understand. We had no idea if we would ever get the call to go, but we knew that we had a God that loved us and had a bigger plan than we could see. Yep. And Herbie, I know that's easy to say because we're now sitting on the other side of the fence. But I also know that when um, you know we lean into God, there is an ultimate peace that you you just can't explain. I would also say surround yourself with with a village of people that can support you and love on you that you can lean into. Um, For those who are thinking of getting into the process, you know, I heard this phrase said, and it's something I hold on to all the time, but I, I would ask that you ask the Lord to break your heart for what breaks his, because that gets you one step closer to feeling the, the depth of the love that Jesus has for you and for these children, uh, for widows, for orphans. And the more you can say, God, I just want my heart to break like yours does, the more you learn grace and forgiveness and um, what the beauty of adoption really, really is. Um, and we will continue to pray for all of those that are in both parts of that journey, for sure. Anything else? No, and I <clears throat> I would say that God gives us nuggets of hope in the times of waiting. And we were evident of that on our last podcast. We talked about all the different blessings we got along this journey of waiting. And in the times that we were so down, um, God would grant us a little blessing of, of hope to move forward into the next week or month or whatever it was. And so just hold, you know, onto those and know that God's got a bigger plan, a perfect plan, and it may not be in our timing, but the timing will be perfect when it does occur. Yeah. Amen. Well, Kenny and Kristen, I am blessed that uh, that Hannah has been able to come home now and that we're able to be on this side. Certainly there was excitement on the other side. Um, and, uh, yet there was also just the expectation of what did, what was it going to look like? What was your trip going to look like? What was going to come home? But to be able to hear from you guys is just such a blessing. And I think it blesses the heart of other families that are going through this process. Maybe those that are waiting, maybe those that are praying through it to see that it is a journey. Uh, it, 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 it comes with ups and it comes with downs. You're still on that journey with all the ups and all the downs. Um, but I think the art that I hope everyone sees is that when we're faithful to step into what the Lord has called us to do, that even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's exciting, that he will hold us through and reveal himself through the whole thing if we are faithful uh, to what he's called us to do. So thank you guys for being faithful to what he called you to do. And I thank the Lord that, oh, Kenny, what you said is that he has given you the desire of your heart, which Mm -hmm. is an overflowing love for a little girl that you had not seen until several months ago. Uh, And so 
we serve a great God and uh, we're grateful to be able to not hear the end of your story, but to be able to hear the next chapter of your story. So thank yeah. you guys for joining us. Thank, thank you, Irving. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.